Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Hi, thanks everyone for coming. I really appreciate it. I'm quickly going to read three different parts of the book from Charlie's point of view, Sam's point of view, and Duke's point of view. Also throughout the book, you find out what's happening through Erica Dickerson's eyes and Miranda Mullally's eyes, but I won't read those parts because... It kind of it should be funny when you find out what she is actually what the girls are actually thinking and what the boys are thinking at the same time. Quite often, it's the opposite. So, and the book is dedicated to my mom, which is really cool. Last year, last week, I got to read it um, for Mother's Day, which was really fun. And then the epigraph is from Booth Tarkington Penrod, and his aunt says, "Boys are just like people, really." And if you read that book, it's, uh, there's a lot of really funny parts to it because the aunt really doesn't look at these boys as if they're really human beings. They might not even be yet. So, And, and also I'm going to do what they used to do on the Johnny Carson show. And they might still do it. I don't watch a, a lot of the television where they somebody would come on and they would say, this is the part of the movie that you're going to see, and it would just kind of be the middle. So I'm going to read different parts of the book. Almost all of you have read me and Miranda Mullally. But it's not a spoiler, but make sure you read that first before you read this one, because they go in order. Chapter 1 starts out, it's titled, All is Well. Chapter 2 is, All is Not Well. And we're going to hear from Duke. This is the first day of school after spring break, the first time he's ever had a girlfriend, Sharon. Duke. Slow down, she said. Those were her exact words, slow down. I don't know slow down. I don't do slow down. It's not in my vocabulary. And here I was expecting a big smile and a big hug and maybe even a little kiss. But instead, Sharon was embarrassed. Oh, I could tell. You don't go looking over your shoulder and searching for others' reactions if you're happy about something. No, you look that person right You look right at the person who surprised you on your one-week anniversary as if that is the only person who exists. You don't care about anyone or anything else. You don't like balloons, was all I could muster as a reply. Sharon's initial shock left her face, and her kind, empathetic smile returned. Oh, no, Duke, the balloons are sweet. It's just, perhaps, a bit too much. There were only seven balloons tied to her locker. Seven. Was there a dearth of balloons in the world of which I was unaware? I was hurt. And though I pride myself on my ability to mask my feelings, practice for when I'm a lawyer and or a diplomat, Sharon, who is an extraordinarily perceptive, she sees and she observes, don't forget, could tell that I was taken aback. She put her hand on mine. I'm just a little surprised, that's all. We only got together a week ago and she stopped there. And what? I am curious by nature. It's just not something people do here at Penn Valley. Honestly, I'm just a little embarrassed, okay? This was my nightmarish memory that I could not rid from my mind as I sat down to dinner with my parents, Neil and Cassandra. If you don't know my parents, you're not missing much. 
They're both sociologists, hardly an intellectually invigorating field, and they allegedly teach at the town's poor excuse for a college, Penn Valley College, and they write useless books together. They recently completed a book, Ethel's Story, which I perused and had no choice but to give two thumbs down. They do stay busy and usually don't have time for me, which is fine. Recently, they've been rallying their students to protest at Penn Valley College about what your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, here's an example of our tedious dinner conversation. Footnote, I intend to write a couple of plays to improve the current wasteland known as Broadway after I graduate from Princeton with a degree in international relations. Since Sharon is a natural thespian, I'll give her the starring roles. Scene one lights up. The dining room of the Samagora residence in Penn Valley, a suburb of Philadelphia. Duke, 14, handsome, sits at the table between his parents, Neil and Cassandra. The stage is well lit, bright on table. They eat in silence. Cassandra, how is your little friend? Duke, she's not my little friend. She is the same, uh, same size as any average seventh grader. Cassandra, how is your friend? Quite well, thank you. I trust she had a relaxing spring break and is refreshed for the final ten weeks of the school year. There is a distinct pause here. Neil coughs, then begins. Neil, is there nutmeg in the soup? Cassandra, there shouldn't be nutmeg. Neil, I distinctly taste nutmeg. They return to their soups. Cassandra, do you taste nutmeg? Duke, maybe. Cassandra, that's curious. There shouldn't be any nutmeg. Neil, I could be wrong. Cassandra, no, if you say you taste it, there must be some in there. Perhaps I made a mistake. I'll have to reorganize the spice rack. Neil, I'll help you. Cassandra, thank you, dear. Cassandra and Neil mouth, I love you. Duke, may I be excused? Cassandra, already? Pourquoi? Duke, I'm going to vomit. Fade to black. Do you see what I have to work with? Oh, what I would give to witness my parents have a little tiff or a kerfuffle. I blame them for my balloon faux pas. Sitting at my desk with a spot of tea, I did all I could to concentrate on my duties as student and leader of the school. The next ten weeks will be the busiest of my life, and it's going to take a great deal of skill to juggle my relationship with Sharon and my many responsibilities. As president of the student council, it falls upon me to plan almost every activity my thankless peers will enjoy as their middle school years come to an end. In fact, I'm probably busier than the president of the United States. I moved over to my coziest chair, settled in with Shakespeare's sonnets. It helped put my mind at ease. So that's Duke, the beginning of Duke. And then we're going to read about Sam. Sam is going to go over to his girlfriend's house for dinner, Erica Dickerson. And he doesn't know what to do. And his best friend, Foxy, has just been dumped. So, But Sam doesn't have anybody to take advice from. So he has... Foxy to listen to. He knows he shouldn't listen to them, but he just can't help help you know taking his advice. Sam, and this is from chapter six, anticipation. I'm nervous as soon as Erica invites me over for dinner. No, that's not true. I'm originally excited about having dinner with Erica and her family. I mean, you don't invite someone over for dinner if you don't like them, right? Then Foxy says something on Friday that freaks me out. 
Let me give you some advice, he says as we're walking to lunch. Why do I need advice from you, I say. You don't even have a girlfriend anymore. Foxy raises his eyebrows in a disapproving way, the way Mr. Minkin does when you ask him for permission to use the bathroom. Yeah, he says, but I still can tell you what happened when I had dinner with Holly's parents before the... The breakup, I suggest. I can't say the word, Foxy says. Anyway, you're going to have to stay on Mr. Dickerson's good side. And don't even look at Erica's sisters, Jane and Rosie. Mr. Dickerson is very protective of his daughters. He once sent his dogs after my brother, Johnny. I instantly get an image of dogs chasing me down the street. And just like in all my worst nightmares, for some reason I'm in my underwear. I quickly change the subject. So what's new with Holly and Kirk Goodwin, I ask. Foxy stops and bends over in pain, like he's been punched in the gut. Oh, don't ask me that, Sam. It's like a punch in the gut. Then I see Jenny Rios. She's number two on my list for possible girlfriends for Foxy. And I leave Foxy alone in his pain. The interview doesn't go well. Me, hey, Jenny. Jenny, hi, Sam. Me, what do you think of Foxy? Jenny, I don't think of Foxy. (laughs) Me, why not? Jenny, I try not to think of unpleasant things like war, famine, and your pal Foxy. Okay, so Foxy is not exactly a magnet attracting girls. So then why do I let what Foxy says about dinner with Erica bother me? I don't know, but I do know this. I don't think I'm going to find him another girlfriend. Anticipation and worrying keeps building the rest of the day. I'm just about ready to go out of my mind. I hit a brick wall with my sketch ideas for NYC nights, and I can't stop thinking about the dinner. What if I burp? What if I chew with my mouth closed, with my mouth open? What if Erica's parents start asking me tons of questions? As you can see, there's a lot that can go wrong. Thankfully, tonight, like most Saturday nights, is what my dad calls date night. It's a time when we, just dad and me, set apart to hang out, eat pizza, and watch a movie. The best thing is that my sisters go out with my mom, so we have the place to ourselves, not too shabby. And it's just what the doctor ordered to deal with my nervousness about Erica, dinner with Erica and her family. I can strike up a conversation with my dad about Sunday. And then Lutz the putz goes and ruins it. Aren't you coming with us, John? Maureen asks. No, I think I'll stay here, Lutz says. And just so you understand, when he says home, he's not talking about his home, but my home. My mom and dad's house. I can tell from my dad's face, he wants to give Lutz the boot. But I can also see my dad's had a long week and is very tired. Me, I've got too much on my mind to let Lutz the putz bother me. It's like when the neighbor's dog barks. There's nothing you can do about it. Lutz sticks his head in the refrigerator and asks, Are there any cold sodas? Dad looks disgusted, like he's just pulled a long strand of hair from his food. And that's when it hits me. Standing right there in front of me is the answer to my little problem. My dad hates Lutz. And so all I have to do is watch Lutz and do the exact opposite. Erica's father will love me. I run as fast as I can to get my notebook from my room before Lutz, because Lutz and my dad are pure gold together. Here's what I got. One, don't fart. Two, don't spread out on the couch like you own the place, forcing the real owner of the couch and the house to sit in an uncomfortable chair. Don't complain about the size of the television and suggest it's time to upgrade to a new flat screen TV. Be complimentary of the pizza that you did not pay for. 
Do not yell at the owner of the house to bring you a glass of ice for your soda when the owner of the house gets up to use the bathroom. Be sure to allow the owner of the house to watch the movie he wants to watch. If he wants to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, sit back quietly and enjoy it. Do not give away the, end of the, the ending of the movie. The list above is all I get because my dad fell asleep exactly seven minutes after the pizza arrived and we popped in the movie. In that short time, he was able to glare at Lutz at least six times, scarf down four slices of pepperoni pizza. Very impressive. And now guess who's ready for Sunday dinner? And um, the next one we'll do is is Charlie. And um, Charlie... We're going to read the part where Charlie is going to go on a date with his girl. They're going to go to the movies. And what started out with just Charlie going to the movies with his, with his friend, Miranda, has ended up being this thing where everybody's going along. And Charlie has a big brother named Billy, who Charlie thinks knows everything about um, girls and um, is often wrong when he gives him advice. So Charlie tells Billy about the dates, and this is called, this is chapter 9, Charlie. I don't like it, Billy says, when I tell him about the plan for Saturday night. Why not, I ask him. Billy scratches his chin. I can't help but wonder why she wants to go on a double date. I mean, it's like hanging out in a group. You're, you're all just buddies, and it all gets mixed up, and before you know it, your lady is sitting and chatting with her friend, and you're sitting beside some other dude, holding hands and sharing popcorn, while Miranda is sharing milk duds with her best pal. Next thing you know, she's thinking, who needs Charlie Muller? This hits me right in the gut. It knocks the wind out of me. When Miranda asked me to go to the movies with her and Eric and Sam, I felt great. It's perfect, I thought, double dating at the movies. I don't want to sound corny, but it just seemed really grown up and mature and super fun. It sort of seemed like the thing Billy would do if he had a girlfriend. But now Billy's got me worried about it. Now I'm wishing I was going over to Miranda's house and chilling out and watching basketball with her dad instead of going to the movies. What am I going to do now, Billy? Fortunately, there are a couple of things we can do to solve the problem, Billy says. When you get to the theater, suggest you two, just you and Miranda, go to another movie. What's the plan now? I have it all written down in my notebook. We're going to see Joe Clipspringer and the Lady Trailblazers at 7. Where, Billy asks. The AMC at the mall. Okay, Billy says, let's see what else we have going on at the mall. Billy looks on his phone and reads the theater schedule. Here it is, perfect. Billy looks at me with a big smile. What is it, I ask. Check this out, Billy says. La saison des jonquilles. At 7.55. The unforgettable story of two best friends growing up in southern France during the turbulent 60s. It's even in French with English subtitles. Do you think she'll like the movie, I ask? Film, Billy says. Film. Clip Springer is a movie, but La Saison Jonqui is a film. And of course she'll like it. If Miranda is the girl I think she is, she'll fall in love all over again. Perfect. What a plan. Thanks, Billy. One more thing, Billy says, as I'm walking out the door. Try to stay awake. Films tend to be more boring than movies. There we go. So that'll get you going.
I should have moved this up a little bit. So if anybody has any questions or concerns, I could answer them. Um, something you don't like or anything like that. But uh, I'm free to answer anything you like. And this was fun to do because I've, in the other things, I, the kids wanted to read me and Miranda Mullally all over again, which I didn't mind doing, but they tend to like the more violent scenes. And then I can see the teachers and the principal kind of looking at me like, no, 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 no. You know, they start off with a thumbtack, and then the next day everybody has one going at the schools. So, any questions? Yes, Delphine. I hope this, yeah, I think it's really important that I hear the different voices because they really have to sound different. And the hardest part is Charlie and Sam because they're 13 or 14. Duke, of course, you know, writes this flourishing style and he knows so much. Um, so it's hard to kind of have Sam and Charlie do the same thing, but everything I have Sam or Charlie do is kind of talk about sports and then everything that Sam does is this over exaggeration you know like in the first he's always like this has never happened before in the history of the world when of course it's something like the smallest thing in the world so it's really important to hear those those different voices um, I don't want to hear too many voices in my head because then I get into some kind of uh, you know a different a different field that goes from children's books to something else but yeah uh, Frida and then Michelle yes well I dedicated the first book to my well that's a really good question because I talked about that and some other things especially when I would do the other book it was really when I was a kid my parents created a, a family for us and a home for us that was really stable it was really safe and there were things that went on outside in the world that they didn't have us worry about. I think is the, the best word to think. You know, best word, to, best way to think about it. So, when I write these books, I kind of think that it's in the past. I really use my experiences when I was in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade all the time. And um, in my mind, I travel back to my middle school, and my mom and dad were really important parts of my life when I was a kid. Great question, Frida. Great question. Yes, Mich Mich Christine. Yeah, I was wondering where you came up with the name Cholby. And then the other names, are they names from your past? Um, well, that's, that's a great question. Um, Duke Vanderbilt Samagora is just, I just like the way that sounds. And Duke's parents went to Duke. Then they went to graduate school at Vanderbilt. So that's why he's Duke Vanderbilt, Samagora. Charlie, Charlie's name is Charlie. Everybody calls him Charlie. And you find out why towards the end of me and Miranda Mullally. But Miranda actually calls him Charlie. And there's a reason why his name is Charlie. But I also like the idea that, that when kids kind of give each other names. And then Sam was just like, it just worked to be Sam Dolan. And then I needed Dickerson. I actually came up with the name Erica Dickerson first because I love the football player Eric Dickerson. And then, um, so I had Dolan. I just came up with that so they would be in alphabetical order when they have lab partners. So... But um, I like I like having funny names. If the name doesn't sound funny, it's it's not it's not good. Yes. Um, uh, at school, when you explain to us where you were, how you were inspired to have. Uh, 
Oh, so you had a question? That's okay. So what inspired me to write this? Or each character? Okay. What inspired me to write each character? I was kind of a little bit of all of these guys in a way. I wasn't... I, I didn't go around like Duke does and correct people's... You know, literally, when Duke has dinner with in the book, his Mrs. Dolan says, will you lie these peas down on the table? And he says, he's like, you mean lay them on the table? And he, like, he corrects people's English. I would never do that. And I don't even know the difference between lay and lie. So I just think the Eudora Weldy joke where my character is always standing. Um, but, um, and then Charlie, and, and also there's like kind of like this idea of there's like the nerd and then there's the class clown and then there's the guy that plays basketball and they're just these one-dimensional characters when that isn't the case. You know, a kid like Duke who's really smart um, and also likes to be smart, also has many other interests and can do a lot of stuff. And the same thing with Charlie and Sam. So even though Sam is the class clown, sometimes it just happens that he gets caught doing things. He's not really doing much more than everybody else. Um, and then Miranda and Erica, you know, I wanted to have, I wanted to have the, the girl characters really be much more mature in a way, like they at least they think they're a little bit more mature, but they're kind of still going through the same things the other guys are going through. So, yeah. Sebastian? How did I come up with the character's emotions? That's a great question. I Usually, I don't start off with the emotion. I start off with something happening, and then there is a reaction to it. So when they when they do the snow shoveling scene, that's like in the first book, they try to do something. Well, they all are excited for the Valentine's Day dance. So the emotion is like there's a dance, there's a dance, there's a dance. And then it all falls apart. So it's really easy to write that emotion of like, oh my gosh, this was a disaster. Another disaster. Another thing didn't go right. And um, this is a lot of highs and lows. Like they're excited to graduate middle school and go to high school but the first page everything starts to fall apart so Sam is like I can't wait to go on double dates with Foxy and as soon as he sees Foxy he's like Holly just dumped me she never wants to see me again ever (laughs) she sent me a text she called me she wrote me an email and she wrote me a letter with a stamp on it and that emotionally just really takes the wind out of Sam's sails yeah great questions you're welcome. Um, any other questions? Uh, yes, Frida? I, you know, I, usually when I would be asked that question, I couldn't say. But now I have to say, after reading it again, and reading, I love reading Duke's parts because he's constantly changing the form. So I love writing Duke. So he's always writing a play or a screenplay. Literally in the middle of this book, he's so busy, he can only write notes. You know, he can just scribble down notes because he's so busy, you know, and he knows that he's busier than everybody else. At least that's in his mind. So I do like Duke. But then when I read Charlie, like, I'm like, oh, that's really nice. You know, he's a nice guy. He's kind of like not even thinking about 
other people. He's just kind of thinking about himself, or he's thinking about them in a nice way, where Duke's always thinking of like having Knuckles and Moose, you know, take somebody out or something. So, yeah. Yes, Christy. So, um, when you write these books, are you thinking of your middle school when you were growing up? Totally. In fact, my the editor has to change everything because when you know Billy looks on the phone, you know I write Billy opens up the paper and looks at the thing. So I, you know, technologically, everything that I do is still that way. I don't think it's fun to write the technology, and I think it's I don't I think the technology is bad for kids too. So I kind of like don't even want it in the books. Um, but I totally think back at that time. You know, just not have anything of what's happening, which is a really important thing, I think, what's happening in middle school kids and social media is like, it's, you know, it's not, it's a lot, it's not like when I was a kid. It's much easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like right there. It's literally right there because it's Elkins Park and Goldberg's is Jenkintown. It's like, it's like kind of weird. But I actually don't even watch it because I'm afraid that I'll get something like it'll be oh I, they they did that they covered that you know it's like it's so closely related but um yeah 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 it's just a decade yeah but um but yeah in my mind I go back to that to that time all the time and then when I was a teacher I only taught girls so I didn't really I didn't teach boys. For, since 2000, and so, but when I'm when I'm home in Philadelphia and I see my nephews and just watching them and the cluelessness and the big feet and you know swinging by Leela, no offense, and seeing some of these kids and you know it's 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 inspiring just to watch them and watch the innocence and the the the, the thing that's most fun about writing children's books for me, and I was talking about this yesterday with some kids and adults at Children's Book World is kids see at that time they're experiencing everything for the first time which is so incredibly magical that they are learning something for the first time they're seeing something for the first time they're feeling something for the first time and that's really fun to try to capture uh, in in the writing in in any kind of art form Um, learning something new and then the fun thing about boys, at least, is once they learn it, then everybody who doesn't know it is kind of like an imbecile or a half-wit. And I remember when I was in first grade, I had finally learned how to tie my shoe. And my sister was in kindergarten, and she was like, can you teach me? And I was like, oh, can somebody not know how to tie their shoe? <laughs> like, really? So, I, and that, you know, that's a lot of Duke's characters, characteristics in that, so... Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Well, that's good. I really appreciate everybody coming by. One last, that'll be the last one. Unless, yeah. You know, once the book came out in paperback, it kind of changed how I thought that they looked. If you look on the on the book, this is kind of how I always thought they looked like: a forty-six-year-old man with a beard. You know. Um, but I don't know, you know, like Duke Vanderbilt Samagora looks a certain way, and the other, you know, everybody just kind of looks a certain way. I don't describe any of their looks because they don't, I wouldn't think the characters would describe them. You know, Sam and Charlie can't describe them. They say, she's really pretty. That's about as far as we're going to get, you know. Um, 
Okay, great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.